0: And I also wanted to say hello. I'll go ahead and I know we've been chatting just a little bit for, but to let those in the room know, um, don't yet. Um, we are speaking with Barry Sutton this morning um, and Barry is a very accomplished photographer and also the founder of 96 Studios. Um, Barry has been in the space for quite some time now um, and I came into the space um, as a curious photographer and connoisseur I, and then also has developed 96 studio, which is also helping other um, artists kind of find their way here in the NFT space and being able to help support them and um, help them navigate the, the waters, if you will, um, which is um, really been fun to watch. Barry and I, um, I we've, we've connected in person um, in New York, uh, which has been really, really wonderful. But I've really also enjoyed watching um, him build in the space and be able to pull in, you know, different people and offer them the support and And um, Barry, I, too, really appreciate your aesthetic. And it's been fun to see the work that you've introduced of your personal work, but also the work that you've introduced um, from other artists, um, because it's, um, I think that you really I think it's important to you to bring something, um, that has a message and, uh, and even a unique voice to it, um, which I appreciate a lot. Um, and I know I first came in contact with your artwork, with your first, with your drop. It wasn't your first drop, um, but it was, um, your 365 um, series that you released, which um, was a really interesting drop mechanic, um, and then also kind of delved in a little bit deeper. Um, but just for those listening in the room, a little bit of background there, um, and very—I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut
1: you off. No, 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 that's okay. Keep, keep going. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm appreciative of the, of, the, of the lengthy and um, and, uh, and generous intro.
0: <laughs> well, and I think also with 96 Studio, um, the, a collection related to the namesake um, would be 96 Degrees in the Shade, um, which is a really notable photography collection, in my opinion, um, here in the NFT space, um, launched in the summer of 21, but also um, after a, just about a year anniversary, had um, sold 100 ETH, which is really, really wonderful for a photography collection. And I think maybe... to. If people are knowing about you in the space, maybe that you're most what they would recognize as Barry Sutton's work. Um, so really love this particular series that you're now introducing um, called Bring It Home, where we're going to be delving in a little bit deeper and seeing that introspective. Um, and so that's kind of going to be our topic for today is talking about Bring It Home. Um, and do you have anything you'd like to share as, as an intro or for people being familiar with you as if they aren't already?
1: Oh gosh, um, no! Thank you. I mean, what what a generous what intro. I really, um, I really appreciate sort of bringing um, bringing in uh, sort of the the uh, the early stuff that I worked on in the NFT space. Because you know, I was I was hoping to talk a little bit about the path to to getting here. Because you know, there's such an interesting um, dynamic in the NFT space because it's a new technology and new opportunity for so many people, especially young photographers who are getting started and um and we're all you know there's a there's sort of a a a communal effort to look forward and look forward and look forward and you know the process of doing this retrospective was the opposite it was like looking back and um and so I I started thinking about like how important it it is to in some ways to look back as sort of a, a part of the process of moving forward and you know, um, we often talk about, well, you have to know your history to know where you're, you know, where you're heading. Um, but this was really like for me, like a real life sort of experience um, of that to uh, to kind of, you know, go back to um, where I started and um, and kind of looking through the pictures uh, from, you know, 30 years ago up until now um, helps to maybe extrapolate like where things are headed now. So I think that's been a really interesting part of this experience.
0: I appreciate that so much. And, um, you know, I think, I think too, you know, it's, I think something I appreciate about you is I think that there's some confidence that others can gain too from learning more about your experience. Um, Because when you first, I know you've shared when you first came into the NFT space, you know, not knowing exactly what the role that photography would have here in this space, if it needed to move, if it needed to be adapted to be accepted, you know, and and then kind of learning that uh, there has been such a. Wide appreciation for photography and its in its original sense, but yes. um, in its truest sense. Um, but I think that that's something that I appreciate a lot about your journey.
1: Yeah, that was that was something that was so. Um, uh, it, it was it, it was just looking at the work that was. I guess when back in the spring of 2021, when I was learning about uh, the NFT space on Clubhouse, I wasn't seeing any photography. I, I hadn't really discovered. Um, I hadn't discovered um, Twin Flames yet, and and um, and and some of the other early participants here, and you know, all I was seeing was this sort of three D stuff. It was beautiful illustration and and moving pictures and other things. And I thought, well, I guess if I'm going to be in the NFT space, that's what I have to do. And and I actually made some um, some experiments in that in that area. I I took like. I taught myself how to use 3D software and um, and created these uh, these 3D eggs and um, and then wrapped like a photograph around the egg and then made the egg spin and these were like I call these time capsules and you can find them somewhere on Foundation I, I don't even know if I have the the address to the uh, to the account if I find it I'll post it but um, but I started doing some of the things and they were largely ignored I mean nobody really nobody I had you know maybe a hundred Twitter followers and you know I had no platform nobody was calling on me to talk in clubhouse and, and so nobody really knew about it um, but it's been uh, it's been wonderful to see that photography is you know clearly like really solidified itself as um, as something to uh, to pay attention to in the NFT space and to you know it's it's um it's a bit been a bit like the the um, like the evolution of photography in the art world to, to gain acceptance. And of course, it happened so quickly in the NFT space once collectors found really beautiful work from, you know, new young photographers and, um, and, and people who had been around for a while. They were really appreciating it. So it's, it's great to see photography really take its rightful place.
0: Oh, I completely agree. Completely agree. And, um, you know, I know, too, we've mentioned that 96 Degrees in the Shade was kind of your debut into introducing, you know, your your classic photography without, you know, without just in its purest sense. And I think something, too, that's interesting, that was a collection of 100, but you didn't just release 100 pieces all at once. Um, it was slowly, well, it was planned to be slowly released, but the attention and the support for it was received so well that um, I think maybe the timeline was sped up a little bit Um, but i really liked that your approach with that as well Um, and was there a motivation to like say okay let's see if this this photography works was it seeing twin flames being received or was it something else
1: Um, well it was definitely definitely had um i was definitely inspired by seeing how quickly twin flames um just really um i I guess for, for lack of a better analogy caught fire um but I, you know, I if if uh, maybe some people here don't know the original story, I'll just kind of um, zip through it really quickly. Um, I had uh, as soon as I um, caught wind of photography being accepted on um, in the NFT space, I jumped on Twitter and I DM'd Justin Aversano and G Money, and you know I I didn't know whether I should expect to get an answer back from either of them, um, but both of them did answer me back. Um, Justin answered me first and. And said, "Oh, hey, um, you know, what can I help you with?" (laughs) You know, I just said, "Like, oh, you know, I love what you're doing with Twin Flames. It's really exciting. I just wondered if I could like ask you some questions." And it turns out that um, the school that I teach at um, was his alma mater, and so we had a nice connection there. And he said, "You know, hey, send me over some pictures, and you know, I'd love to see what you're doing." And um, I had a website with like ten pictures on it. Kind of a, um, it was just something I put together to look at them myself. And he said, oh, this is great, like I want one. And mm-hmm. so I was super excited and um, thought, well, maybe I have something here. And then the next day G-Money got back to me and, uh, and you know, I, I of course led with like, oh yeah, by the way, Justin's really into it and you know, I'd love to show you this work. And, um, and he um, asked me like, how many pieces are gonna be in the collection? And I didn't know what to say, but I knew that Twin Flames had 100 pieces. So I said 100. And then, I mean, I didn't even have 100 pieces processed and ready to go. And and he said, well, how how would you feel if I bought a block of 20 of them? And at that point, I just kind of like dropped what I was doing. And I just like made a beeline to my studio and to my office and started scanning and getting pieces together and getting a you know, a collection of hundred pieces together. So that was kind of how that started. And I was so excited about it that like by the time I had 30 pieces ready, I just started minting them. And um, they sold out like within hours. And so I was like, holy shit, what do I do? And I spent all night like scanning and getting another 30 or 40, 40 I think, together. And by that time word had gotten out in the Twin Flames Discord that there was something happening here. And people were just like hitting refresh on the collection and as soon as something got minted, they would buy it. And it was just like blowing me away. I had no idea what was going on really. And, you know, before I knew it, a hundred pieces were sold out and I was like, oh my gosh, what just happened?
0: Uh, I love that story. And what an exciting, I mean, just what an exciting experience, you know. Um, And I think also such a great example of of what can happen, the power of of what can happen here in the space right now, you know, being able to connect with people like that and see that immediate appreciation. Oh my gosh, yeah. Which is really really cool, um, and I the the ninety six degrees in the shade that is a great um, series. Um, there's there's some really amazing photos, and I've enjoyed um, listening to interviews and getting to chat with you about it. Also, some of the background, and um, you know, a lot of these images were taken in um, in Miami. Is that
1: right? That's right. Yeah, all of the pictures from ninety six in the shade um, were pictures most most of them were pictures i did at the beach between 2003 and 2007 um there there are some pieces from that time period that will be part of um bring it home so not from that collection of course but you know that was four years five years of work so um there are some really um really memorable memorable pieces that um, were not part of 96 in the shade that are starting to, starting to show up. Actually, there is one in the new collection called Miami Beach. Um, um, the piece is called Miami Beach, part of Bring It Home, um, that made its way into the first 20 pieces from the collection. So, yeah, I'm excited to, to bring, you know, all of this stuff forward. And it's been so interesting to kind of look back and, um, and, find pieces from the 80s, from the 90s, from the odds and, you know, the early 2000s to bring into the collection and to kind of look at that path and think about like, what was I looking at at that time? You know, where was I? What was, what was I doing? Um, where was I in my photography career? Um, why was this part of like, why was this, you know, part of what I was, was looking at and, um, and to sort of, put a thread, you know, through pull a thread through all of those to, um, to 96 in the Shade and then to, you know, the street photography and portraiture that I've been doing since then.
0: I love that a lot. And, you know, I think it's an interesting time period just from the outside looking in, you know, that – through the NFT space, you know, we have seen with the bear market things kind of slowing down just a little bit and kind of, you know, in one way catching our breath a little bit. So it's interesting to, to see a project like this, you know, of, of really kind of maybe even delving in a little bit deeper and refining and kind of going back and seeing like, how did it all start? And, um, you know, so was that part of, of that or was, is that just kind of how it's come to be?
1: Um, well, I think like yeah I think I, I think it's it's um you know we don't often think about like where we are in our careers um, we're just here. we just do what's in front of us and you know move on to the next task um, but when you stop for a second and think like how did I get here um, it's it's really interesting and it really um, it's it's just you know it's just a really um, wonderful experience to look back and think. Oh, you know what I what I have done this any differently, knowing what I know now, or you know what were the what were the things that were really working um, in my work at that time that maybe carried over into you know into this um, into the current um, to the current work, and um, and I think as an artist, you know, there's a, you're always um, you're always being introspective and and um, and critiquing your own work and. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of been a long process. And, um, and maybe this is just the latest iteration of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. but
0: <laughs> I think so. I think so. It was, it was, you know, it was an out there question anyway. So, um, but at the same time, I think that, you know, it's interesting as we're having this blockchain technology in this way. You know, I, for me, it's a really wonderful pairing for photography, capturing a time and a place, you know, that you can go back and you feel those emotions. Of what you were feeling. And, you know, it, it can really transport you to a time and a place. And to then pair it with blockchain technology that you're able to, you know, memorialize this moment and be able to add, you know, your expression and your feelings to this and have it really be able to go back and it's there forever. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really wonderful tool for a project like this to be able to um, revisit, you know, in the future and for others to be able to learn more about you. And so I really, I love the inspiration for the project and the um also seeing you know you learn so much about you um as we're going through the process for what images you selected and also the curation process um because of i'm sure there were many many images to choose from and so kind of the interest it's very interesting to see which ones you connected with and which moments you know were were pivotal and was there a process there in the curation of picking out the images to tell the story you wanted to Oh
1: definitely yeah definitely um... The I'm glad you you brought up a couple of really interesting points. Um, the uh, The process was the process was definitely um, uh, sort of iterative. So I you know I started with you know a box full of prints and CDs that you know I had um, pulled over onto my hard drive and started scanning and putting things together you know in in Adobe Bridge so that I could sort of look at them all together and and. And and so part of it was um, was looking back at them, but also part of it was um, just acknowledging that there have been some prints, like um, like the the piece called Wingwalker, which I shot in San Francisco, and it's it, it's sort of hard to see digitally. I mean, if you look at it in its thumbnail form until you actually click on it and see it much bigger, that. Um, and this is a picture of a of a biplane um, doing sort of a loop in the sky. and there's a woman standing on top of the wing. I mean, it's really a it's really quite an extraordinary act of bravery and courage and showmanship and um, and something that, you know, because of the you know quality of lenses and um, and cameras, even even back in the '90s when this was when this was shot, um, that you know we're able to capture these like really incredible moments. And and that's a picture, for example, that stayed on the top of my sort of quote unquote pile of pictures for all of these years. It was something that I always looked at. It's something I always revisited, and so that was a no brainer. That had to be in this collection, so there was definitely like a really fun part of um, of, of this process um, in in selecting, you know, which which pictures really should be in a retrospective, and you know, I, I there isn't an immediate like obvious thread that connects them visually. Um, so you have to kind of hear the stories about them and to understand sort of a little bit more about it, which is why I wanted to, just going back to what you were saying about long-form writing, I really was inspired to, to write more about these because, you know, we don't often get these chances to talk on spaces and, um, and, you know, talk in more detail about all of this work. But, you know, it's like each one of these pieces was so important to me um, to, to pull into this, final collection was really part of my growth as a human and my evolution as a photographer. And, um, yeah, so there was a lot of, there was a lot of feeling behind, you know, each one of these pieces.
0: And I love learning that about Wing Walker. Um, and, There are so many elements, you know, like you mentioned, the technology and the things that have changed over time and, you know, but also something that we can all connect to. And I find that very much throughout this series, you know, that it is something that there's so many different interests pulled in and different viewpoints that I think um, it's interesting, the connection that people can make at different times. And it can really also build that conversation, um, you know, with different people based on what elements it is that they connected with. Um, And I know that um, Alpha and I have talked about, you know, the different pieces in this collection. And it's really interesting to hear, you know, kind of the things that the reasons that we connect to different pieces and the stories, you know, that, that people may have for their own, you know, how they connect as well. Um, And I, so I love that aspect of it as well.
1: Thanks. Yeah. I would love to hear from a collector's, point of view, like what what people see in the work and, you know, what things, because, because photography is kind of this thing, fun thing where, you know, it we speak in pictures, you know, we don't often get to tell all the stories behind the pictures. And so when the picture just exists as a picture with no commentary and no person behind it telling the stories you know, what narrative does the viewer make up in the viewer's mind about what's going on in this picture? And that's such a beautiful thing about photography is that we don't have to say, like, this is a picture of a man standing on a corner and, you know, a woman walking by staring at him or something like that. It's just, like, it can mean anything to anybody. And so it's, it's really... <laughs> it would be great to hear, like, um, you know, what... what uh, you know, maybe what your uh, um, impressions were about, like some of, the, some of the pieces or what some people's impressions were about uh, looking at the work um, without knowing these stories because the stories are really, you know, it's just, that's just my part of the story, but maybe, you know, in a hundred years, somebody will look at it and not know anything about it and just make it up themselves.
0: Exactly. And I know we talk a lot in this space about, you know, that exact thing is like, what, how does the story affect the image, you know, obviously, you can see the image and appreciate the image, but then, you know, how do people, you know, different people, I think, um, prioritize the backstory to the image and how they connect with it as well. Yeah. Um, and so this is, I think this collection does a great job of, of that very, you know, as an example of that very thing. Um, because I'm, I'm one that I love the stories. So I love hearing, you know, and, and they don't really necessarily change like how I feel about the picture as the far as like modifying. I feel like I can have my feelings and interpretation in addition to very much appreciating the artists, um, viewpoint and where they were at this point in time. Um, yeah. so for me, it's like a, a way of like starting like a friendship or knowing one another a little bit better when we can talk about those things. Yeah. Um, and part of what I've loved about the space, um, and, you know, going through the images, I do love the three that, that Alpha has chosen, um, with, um, and I think I've pinned them up here at the top. Oh, cool. um, and, do you, I guess, too, a question I had with looking a little bit deeper, is there one that are they, in and also looking at the properties um, for the pieces that have been minted, I noticed that There's an attribute referring to a book or in a Genesis. And so um, are these, is the process kind of in a chronological order? Have you put kind of that kind of um, that filter in for you, for the viewer, for yourself and for the viewers, for the collection, where it's kind of a beginning and then different phases?
1: Actually, um, that's a great question. You know, I initially had thought about just putting the collection out um, 10 pieces at a time. And the total number of pieces in the collection is 40. Um, but I ended up putting the first 20 up. And, um, and so I wanted to distinguish between like, what were the first 10 that I had selected and what were the next. And so um, each collection of 10, um, so this first collection, which um, is labeled as Genesis, that is, uh, that is 10 pieces and it's, it spans the entire 30 years. So there's everything from the 80s to present. Um, and each, um, each successive um, uh, sort of part of that collection, so each successive group of 10 will also span that entire um, time period. So the only thing that's sort of chronological is, you know, the f- first part of that collection is Genesis, and then the second part is book, book two and then book three and book four so um so this is genesis and book one or genesis and book two and um yeah and that comprises the the first 20 pieces um yeah does that make sense yeah
0: It does. It does. And thank you for that clarification, because I was curious um, and having those details in a way of uh, kind of an element of organization is an interesting detail, you know, that we are able that the NFT space affords us, you know, to be able to add that attribute in. Yeah, Um, I wanted people to be
1: able to (laughs) to, uh, filter them um, by the sort of sub collection. Um, So that's why I did that.
0: I love that very much, and and I love too that the Genesis isn't this isn't you know in the sense of like as literal of like this time period and this time, but it does go ahead and span and then can kind of go back and um and kind of work through different time periods. Yeah, um, was yeah. I I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, I had initially thought about. Um... You know I and I talked off about this in sort of the beginning as I was putting the collection together. I had initially thought about selling the entire collection of ten pieces together. Um as sort of like you buy a token and once you buy the token, then you get airdropped all ten pieces from the collection. But economically it didn't quite mm, it didn't quite sort of fit. Um so I ended up Deciding to, to release them individually, so that was kind of how the idea of, um, of of each group of ten spanning the you know the entire sort of thirty plus years. Um, um, so then I realized, well, okay, if I'm going to do these one um, one at a time, more or less, then um, then I'll release them in groups of ten where it spans the whole um, the whole time period. So that's kind of how that how that evolved. So um so yeah, there there are more. There are definitely more coming. Um but I'm really excited um to uh to to have these first pieces out and um and yeah, I mean as 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 Alpha always does, he um when he's really attracted to something he jumps in and grabs, you know, really exciting exciting pieces of work. And, you know, it's always great to hear sort of how I don't know I don't know if he's on stage or if he's in the room, but it's, it's always really interesting to hear sort of what attracted him to the work and, um, and, uh, and what really resonated um, with each collector who, who picks up the pieces.
0: I agree, and I I know. Unfortunately, he had a call that overlapped, so we may he may go ahead and come in as that's finishing up. Oh, cool. So unfortunately, I know, I know. I was disappointed <laughs> that that worked out the way that it did, um, but um, you know, it is it's it's a I think a really fun connection. Like we mentioned, to have that conversation, and I know. Um, Another another piece that's been collected because we're still in the pre-sale phase um, is one for um, of Calvin Klein's house, Um, and it's interesting too to see collectors that have you know work that they kind of are drawn to, and that one um, I believe was um, collected by Jonathan Little. Is that right? Yes,
1: that's right. Yeah, Jonathan Jonathan picked that up. Jonathan's um, a guy who I've gotten to know in person, um, like in real life, um, very recently, but he's been collecting my work for about a year and a half, and. Um, and so I'm really excited, I was really excited to, to have him come in and, and acquire a piece from this collection. That was, yeah, that, was, <laughs> that picture actually was, I, I took the day after um, Calvin Klein's housewarming party. So he had, he had purchased this mansion in Southampton that was, it used to be the DuPont mansion. And when it originally was built, it had 72 rooms. And he basically gutted the house and just made it, turned it into this minimalist kind of uh, mausoleum. I don't know. It just, it it was just an incredible, incredible place. And there was this like amazing group of people there that um, the night before everybody from like Martha Stewart to, um, Uh, I don't know, there were political figures, there were fashion models, there were, you know, big artists and art directors, and um, David Geffen, um, you know, a longtime um, music manager and mogul um, was there. And um, I think he's actually inside. (laughs) It's it's hard, you won't be able to see it like in small, unless you really, unless you enlarge it to your screen size, but there's sort of a group having breakfast on the, you um, know part of that house and um, and I was lucky enough to get invited to that um, party because I met Calvin in Miami Beach um, when I was doing a fashion shoot on the beach and I happened to have just been doing a shoot um, in front of where he, he had a little beach house that like nobody knew about it was like a little studio and um, but he'd sit on the beach and hang out and um, and so I met him out there and we ended up um, sort of becoming friends and Um, And he invited me to this party, which was just outrageous. And um, so it was really, you know, it was just one of those moments where, you know, you just end up somewhere that you don't expect to be in. Um, And yeah, that was (laughs) that was quite a quite a moment um, in in time that I won't forget. I was looking when Jonathan um, picked up the piece, I looked back to um, to see if that house was still around. And because this was in, gosh, two thousand. Maybe 2005, I believe. And, um, and when I looked up the records of the house, apparently he sold the house recently for $34 million. I think in 2018, he sold it.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was a big house.
0: And I bet that was a bit surreal, like wondering, like, is this a dream? Is, am I really, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fun to see where those little moments of, you know, a chance meeting on the beach can lead to other things, you know, that are really, really unusual. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. This is the magic of photography for me because how I initially got into photography was that um, I loved seeing live music as, um, as, as a teenager. And I um, – And I had, you know, just kind of been dabbling in photography a little bit. And, um, and I learned that it was sort of like that movie, um, Almost Famous. Like I learned that like, if I had a camera around my neck, I could kind of like wander backstage and, you know, sometimes end up like on the stage or in front of the stage, like at these really big shows. And, um, and that's how I got into photography. I just started taking pictures at, um, at these events. And, 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 and one of those pictures is one of the pictures that Alphabot um, of, uh, of of um, Angelo, the lead singer from Fishbone. So that was a really big band in the 80s and 90s and late 80s, early 90s in Los Angeles. And so that was that was a really important picture, actually, in my kind of evolution of as a photographer.
0: That's fantastic. And I do know that he's shared that those, both of those details about, you know, who, who the photo is of, and it's a great photo anyway, like the quality is there. When you see it, it's a beautiful image, but also that background a connection to the music scene at that time period, yeah. you know, those are all details that, um, that Alpha connected with a lot um, and not to speak on his behalf, but <laughs> can share that that's, those are some of the things he has shared um, about the particular piece. And so it's fun to learn about those details and, you know, being able to kind of have a peek into what it's like to be in these different places, you know, that most of us will never, you know, there's things that we will never get to experience because those the time period is past. But, you know, to get to have some sort of connection, an idea of what that's like to experience that. Um, yeah. And I think this collection does a wonderful job of including those moments.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Um, it was the same thing with the Raiders Seahawks um, picture um, called Re- uh, Rejected. Um, that Alpha picked up. That was one of my, it was, it was really the only, it was my, it was the first time I had photographed a sports event. Um, but, but again, and this was, you know, maybe this just goes back to being a time period where there was less security and, you know, less like official um, scrutiny of everything and everybody. But, you know, I had a big camera with a, you know, big sports lens on it. And, um, and I had, uh um, showed up at this football game and wandered and ended up like just getting onto the field and I got, was able to get close enough to the sideline to, you know, with this big sports lens, nobody really paid attention to me. They were like, Oh, I guess he's with the newspaper or something. I was just a kid. And, um, and you know, that was, that was, that picture is really the only like proper usable picture that came from, you know, a a roll of like 36 pictures. Um, It was the first time I had tried to shoot a sports event like that, Um, but I felt like I knew what I was doing. Like I had this instinct that you sort of like a National Geographic photographer, you know where things are happening and you sit and you wait and you just focus on something and, you know, I have the intuition that like the action is gonna move from point A to point B. So you sit and focus on point B and wait and you wait, and either it happens or it doesn't. And at this moment, it did happen that this player, you know, sort of got airborne trying to get across the goal line. And the Raiders had, like, an incredible defense that year. Um, um, football fans from the 80s and 90s will, will know who those players are. Um, and, you know, they kept, this, <laughs> kept the guy out of the end zone. And I ended up getting this, like, you know sort of perfect triangular like pyramid of human bodies just you know you know just such a powerful moment of uh of um of effort that uh after that i thought i'm going to be a sports photographer of course you know and uh, well that didn't happen but you know it's again just part of that evolution that story of like picking up a camera and figuring out where it's going to take you and what do you want to look at and what do you want to do? So yeah, definitely part of the, part of the big story.
0: That's fantastic. And I love the backstory on that image. And it is, it's a, the, the whole composition, I mean, I would think that you could not plan that to happen, like, orchestrate it to happen any better if, you know, if you had the control to place the people exactly how you wanted them. It's a fantastic shot. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And and I appreciate too that you mentioned um, the one named Miami Beach um, because I think that that's an interesting one to have included in our first set because that is the one that as we're looking through you know I mentioned Apple, I was like that's so much 96 degrees you know and it's an interesting way too for people that are maybe familiar with that body of work to kind of say way and be able to learn more about, you know, other work that has influenced you and seeing the landscape images and um, also the influence, you know, of being in New York City, because um, I know that you've spent quite a bit of time there and that's influenced you as well.
1: Yeah, that's, um, I, I appreciate you bringing that picture up because there's, um, at some point I'll post on Twitter the influence for sort of the inspiration behind that picture because there was a very famous picture taken in the 20s in um, by a photographer called George Hoenigen uh, Hune I, I'm sure that I'm mispronouncing his name, um, but it was one of those pieces that you know. Sometimes you see a piece of art and it just sticks in your in your consciousness. And um, and this was a very famous picture that I studied as a young photographer and um, was taken in the 20s, I think. And and it really just resonated with me, and it stuck with me. And when this Opportunity to do this shot, which was actually part of a commercial shoot for a big condo development in um, in Miami Beach, um, came about. It was I, it, you know, it wasn't. It's not a copy of the picture, but it's definitely sort of a feeling that comes from from that. So there's a there's a, really an interesting um, thread between a lot of this work and a lot of the work that I was influenced as you know as a young photographer. Oh.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic, and it Lots is such a classic it has such a classic um feel to it and a timeless feel to it um and it's it's definitely a beautiful image and Thank you also it's exploring work, you know, for me, I've really enjoyed getting, you know, seeing you talk about the influences and the people that, you know, have inspired you because it, for me, is I connect with a piece and I enjoy that piece, then I can also kind of go down that rabbit hole and it just increases my appreciation and understanding. And I love that, that aspect that yeah. you're pulling in as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I, you know, it brings me to one thing that I wanted to really, like, desperately wanted to say on this space. And that is that, you know, like, all of the work, um, when I when I was first putting, um, well, I, I won't even go back to that, but I would just say like, I understand that like with this collection, there are a number of like young photographers or young collectors that might not be able to afford a piece. And, you know, um, my coming on your show and talking about the work isn't like, shouldn't be interpreted as like me trying to sell this work to people in the room and, you know, and as a purely transactional conversation, you know, one of the, I I think one of the privileges of sort of having gone through this, you know, life experience of being a photographer and now having the opportunity to bring it onto the blockchain and talk about it with a lot of people is that this work is now, you know, free to view and free to look at and free to talk about and free to learn from and, you know, this, like, opportunity that you give me to come and talk about it is really meant as much as a sort of, like, educational conversation, too, um, as it is to, like, alert collectors who can afford to buy it um, to, you know, to find something interesting that they might really resonate with. But, you know, I I don't want to leave anybody out in this conversation. I mean, it's really for us all to have conversations about whether the whether the work sort of resonates with you or doesn't. Um, you know, I'm ha- I, I love talking about it. I I hope that you know young photographers can learn something um, from something that I say maybe. Um, and it's just a great opportunity to you know share this work with the world um, more so than just to like you know find collectors to buy it.
0: I appreciate that so much, Barry, and that's so well said. Um, because, too, were you know, one of the things that excites me about this trend, this time period, is the opportunity to get to connect. And I know we get the chance to be in intimate settings with people that, you know, in the day to day life, we wouldn't ever connect. Um, but it also gives such a, um, there's so much value there more than, you know, obviously there's the ETH part of the whole process, but there is that knowledge and that experience and those connections, which are really, really valuable. Valuable as well um and so i appreciate your viewpoint on that very much
1: yeah definitely yeah thanks thanks um yeah if anybody wants to come up and ask questions i don't know how i'm
0: I yes, have, absolutely. I plenty of
1: time. I don't, know what your, <laughs> I don't know what your time frame is, but I have um, I have all day to talk about this stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go on with Awesome. And it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's a great segue too. If anyone has any questions that they would like to ask, Barry, you're welcome to request and we can go ahead and um, have you come up and chat. Very, very happy to open up the stage. Um, and another detail about this particular thing is we're bringing people up. Um, I think an interesting connection too with this particular project is the connection with the physical piece as well Ooh, um, they because that's that's an interesting detail that i think that others may you know we're kind of seeing a little bit of experimentation with how do you you know have do you do a print or do you not do a print or how does that work and so um, it might be helpful to hear about that part of the process as well
1: thank you for letting me know about that i had i that was completely off of my radar and it's such an important part of the of the their collection, you know, I really wanted to bring the physicals into um, into collecting pieces from this work because, you know, when I made this, a, a lot of this work, um, sort of certainly a significant part of it, um, the end result was always a print. You know, we would take pictures and they would sit in negatives or proof sheets, and eventually we would get to, you know, printing them. Um, a lot of these original, um, uh, a lot of these pieces. Um, especially the ones I took in Los Angeles and, and San Francisco where the film was developed and the original prints were made in a dark room in my, ba- in Los Angeles, it was in a, ba- in my bathroom um, in San Francisco, the dark room was in my kitchen. So this is like really a, like a really important, like the print was a really important part of making this work. And, um, and so I wanted to, um, to make sure to create um, a set of archival prints to go along with the work. So as you mentioned, um, any NFT that's collected um, includes a a physical print, um, which can be claimed through um, a token-gated site that's not quite finished, but um, should be finished um, in the next week or so. And you'll be able to go to that site, um, log in with the wallet that has the NFT, and claim the print, um, which will be shipped to you And a really exciting part of this that I haven't really talked about too much is that there will be a small sort of physical card um, certificate of authenticity that comes with the print and embedded in that card will be an NFC chip. And with this NFC chip, you basically just scan it with your phone. You just really hold your phone next to it and it will download a digital COA as an NFT to your wallet. So that sits in your wallet. It's non. You can't burn it. You can't sell it. You can't can't transfer it. Um, but if one day you sell that print with the COA, the new buyer can then just scan the COA, and that gets transferred from your wallet to theirs. And now they have the the certificate of authenticity. So I'm really excited to bring this like new technology, digit making the you know the the sort of cycle from like physical to digital to physical and back to digital just feels really of the moment
0: i completely agree and that is that i love the even including the CA, coa with the the print and being able to do that digitally i think that we're going to see so much of that coming in to the you know as we're moving in this whole process and the combination of the digital world with the physical world but love seeing that innovation being added thanks yeah that's that's really really awesome and and very exciting to be able to do that um, at Paris Photo um, August Sanders had or Julian was there for the August Sanders um, collection that was shown and it putting you know being able to hold your phone over a contact sheet and then connecting into you know the the actual collection online is just it's an amazing process and what can be done with you know that little bit of technology you know and Julian was so he's so like. He's so humble about it. He's like, Well, that's just it's technology that you have like when you try to steal clothes. I mean, it's the same thing. And like, well, <laughs> but this is a pretty amazing way to use it. <laughs>
1: that's, funny. that's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's so great. <laughs> <laughs> but great to see um, you know, that that way of being able to use that technology and, and um benefits, you know, provide that value to people as they're collecting and, and for that long-term connection um for the physical piece. So love that very much. And I did want to say hello. Hello to Mike. hi Mike you've joined us here on the stage and again if anyone else would like to come up please request and come up and join us but hi Mike hey, go how's ahead it going? you can take the mic good how are you good
2: good just been listening to the conversation um, love uh, love Barry's work I actually uh, was not familiar with it uh, until you um, you know you tweeted about the space and uh, then I went in and I, I looked at some of the work and I was like wow how have I how have I never seen uh this this work before and so i you know for me i mean i i shoot black and white and color mostly color but i I have a really strong appreciation for uh black and white and you know the battle between uh light and shadow and um you know the fact that you know you, you you have you kind of see in a different way um when it comes to um you know you know there's no there's really no, uh, when you shoot in color, but there's like this distraction in color and you pay a bit more attention to, uh, you know, geometry and what's happening between the shadow and light. And I, I, I'm, I'm just really admiring um, how Barry's able to see in this way. I, I, I particularly um, really, really like this, this photograph of, um, uh, I think it's said a BH uh, bookstore. I'm not sure if I got the name uh, correct, but it, it reminds me of the movie Metropolis, and I just absolutely love all of the uh, all of the geometry in this. So I, I guess my question is just: um, Have you always shot black and white? Do you shoot color? I, I mean, I just looked up your name on Google, and I was looking for more stuff from you, um, but I wasn't able to find uh, much. And I wonder if you shoot uh, if you do shoot in color, and if you'd like to talk a bit about um why black and white
1: oh sure well f- thank you thank you so much for your comments um the uh, that that shot um, was taken at the Beverly Hills Public Library actually um, it was sort of like an um, like a secondary building at the public library um, and that was really one of the fir- very first um, shots that I did as I was exploring photography um, and I was very influenced by MC um, Escher that that um, you know his his uh, his surreal work of the staircases that sort of move in different directions, and um, when I when I sort of came upon that this scene, it just like it just captured me. It really like there was there was nothing I could do except stand there and take a few pictures and hope that I you know was able to capture something. And I think you know the advantage in that moment was that it was very dark and there were these small sort of. Um, points of light that were coming from small lamps and so forth and streetlights. And so even though it was, you know, I was obviously seeing it in color, it was really, all the colors were really reduced by um, the fact that it was nighttime and dark and um, and, uh, and and so that was maybe something that was a little easier to see kind of what the final product was going to look like. But, um, but as you mentioned sort of earlier in your comments about like this play between light and shadow and, the you know, tones in between. For me, I kind of see that way. So um, oftentimes my, when I shoot something in color, there's too many elements and it, it doesn't really, doesn't allow me to kind of like distill that vision down to this organization composition of light and shadow and, and forms. And, you know, inevitably when I take that picture that didn't quite work in color and reduce it to black and white tones, it works. And so for me, like, there's... I started doing photography with um, shooting Tri-X film and, 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 um, and, you know, black and white um, film in the early days because I could develop it myself and print it myself and so forth. Um, but I also know that, like, going back to, like, my childhood when I was, like, coloring and painting and doing things, that I wasn't a kid that had, like, a great sense of color. I just... I'd com- try to combine like purples and oranges and things that just <laughs> that just didn't quite work. And other kids had like beautiful gradations of like, you know, rainbow colors and, you know, monochrome sort of stuff. And I, I just didn't get it. Like, and I still don't get it. Um, sometimes I get it right, and but not often. And so I just feel like black and white is sort of my medium. Um, having said that, I mean, there are, of course, like times where, color is the story. And um, and so, you know, I, I always attempt to um, to embrace that and try it. Um, and, you know, there's a significant part of my work from 96 in the Shade and from the NYC 365 collections that are in color. Um, but I still feel like my, um, my inclination is more towards sort of the simplicity um, of working with, just a few elements and and I think that is like it's something that I think as an artist you have to at some point decide like what are your tools and um, we have like an endless number of you know an endless palette of tools and colors and different elements that we can work with as artists but I think when you start to limit what you use it helps you to kind of define your you know your your vision so that's I guess, maybe the best way I could explain it. That's really,
2: really interesting and and I love how you explain that. And I, I can totally relate to that. Um, when I started shooting photography, um, I, I, I only wanted to shoot in black and white. And I felt like it came very natural for me to make compositions in black and white. And then when I went over to color, it was very difficult for me to figure out how to work in color. And I don't think that that means that it's harder to shoot in color. I just think that some people's brains operate differently. Like I felt, I, I felt like, I feel like with mine, um, I have to, when, there, when there's a lot of things going on and a lot of elements, I sort of become a lot more flustered than when things are simplified. And not just in art, but in life in general, I can, I, I can focus on one or two things and become really great at them. But then, when there's a lot of elements happening, I become sort of uh, it—it's it, flustering for me in a sense. And so, it's—I felt like I had to train myself how to be a color photographer. But I feel like with black and white, it came sort of natural to me. And you mentioned the uh, about the the image that I really liked in the in the public uh, the Beverly Hills Public Library. I made me think because you said you just came upon it, and the only thing that you could do was just stare at it in, in awe and and photograph it. And I find it really interesting in in photography that sometimes the greatest photos that I've taken were ones that I I wasn't looking for and it just came to me. And then there's other photographs that I've taken where I sort of had to, I, I sort of was looking and I, I I'm looking to try to find the photograph and I find the photograph and I get it. But some of the best ones just happen to be the ones that, that come to me. Uh, do you do you find that to be uh, something in your process as well? That like uh, maybe sometimes you're you're not out there just trying and trying to find a
1: photograph, but you just have the camera with you and you
2: come upon something and it, it's just the photograph.
1: Uh, often, very often, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think like you know the 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 um, this magical thing that happens when you come across something that you just have to take a picture of. Um, it, you know, it, it doesn't happen quite as this, this process isn't quite as like linear as people might think. Like it might involve carrying your camera for a month without taking one picture. But the thing is you did it. You took your camera, you put it around your neck, you walked out, you know, you had a neck ache at the end of the day and, you know, it swung around as you bought things in the supermarket and it banged into somebody and it, you know, it's, Quite inconvenient to have a camera around your neck all day, but it's that commitment that you have that allows you to actually like take advantage of that moment when it does happen, right? There's like there's a picture of um Elliot uh Elliot Irwitt that took a picture of this um woman sitting on the stoop of a um in front of her building in New York City and her dog is on her lap, and all you see is like the woman sitting and it looks like she has the head of a dog. And it's, you know, it's those kind of moments that he talks about that also of like, you know, carrying your camera all the time and being committed to it. And oftentimes you don't get anything, but um, I think like, especially when you're out shooting on the streets, that's definitely the case. Um, And I think that you develop this kind of intuition as a street photographer that in the corner of your eye you see something developing and you gravitate towards it or you cross the street thinking maybe this is where things might go down or you just kind of have like a sixth sense about something something kind of happening and then you know if it happens you're there and you you know get the picture there's so much intuition involved but i also love involved like Inviting in the element of chance. And I think that as photographers, especially like if we've done a lot of co- photographers, you know, I've done a lot of commercial work, you know, we get into like really planning the things that we do in advance all the time, down to the, you know, the nth detail. And even in those kind of circumstances, I think it's really important for me to bring in the allow the element of chance. So not to plan everything, but to also at the same time be open to like something happening that I didn't expect and so i try to allow that to come into um into my work too yeah i,
2: I think that's a i think that's a great lesson um i think there were times uh when i'd go out uh photographing and i'd get angry that i'd i'd missed a shot or someone stepped in front of the shot and stuff and and now i go out and i just have my camera with me and i i just tell myself it's okay if i don't get anything today you know like um, Just like enjoy the, the 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 process of walking the streets and being a part of life, and if it comes, it comes. And if I go home and I didn't get anything, well, it, it, at least I went out, you know, and I got exercise and I walked the streets. And I think that that I think that's changed me a lot. And I I I think that's uh, there's a lot of wisdom in that and what you said about you know just sort of having it around your neck and you know you maybe you'll bump into people in the grocery store, but you, you you've you've had it with you. And I remember yesterday just going out and photographing and like the first two hours, like I didn't get anything. And I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, man, I didn't get anything. Like, like I was thinking this kind of sucks because it's pouring raining. And it was horrible to be out there. Um, but, it, but I, I was just like, no, it's okay, Mike. You know, like it, it's, you don't have to be hard on yourself. It's fine. You know, like just go back out there again with the camera. I stopped, I had some pizza and I went back out there again and things started to work. Things started to happen. Um, and I feel like it's that, um, like the universe has that sort of, there's this like, um, there's this barrier and this, this wall and this like fear of failure. And if we can sort of say, you know what? I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. I'm going to go and you push past those hours where you didn't get anything good and you go against that. I feel that's where the magic really happens.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really great point. I'm glad you brought that up because you could take that to the next step and this kind of goes to the difference between like looking versus actually seeing and to say that like, because this has happened to me many times where I have not had my camera and I've seen something incredible and I'm just like, oh wow, I can't believe I just experienced that. And I, I think you could take it to the next level and say like maybe some of the best pictures that I've seen I, I just didn't take like some of those pictures that I just took by like blinking my eyes and like committing it to memory. So there's, you know, there, there's a, I, I think there's something that photographers develop, um, over time, which is, you know, going from, you're going through this evolution from just looking and deciding what you're going to look at to actually seeing and really taking in, um, a scene on a, on a very different level than just kind of wondering and, you know, um, and, and looking around so yeah i'm glad I'm glad you brought that up it's really cool
2: thanks thanks uh for your time uh, barry i appreciate that um love to jump to us uh, another one of the other speakers i i'd probably just sit and talk photography photography with you all day if that was the case uh so, yeah thanks for yeah,
1: coming in yeah anytime, thank you anytime
0: Thank you, Mike. And glad you guys have connected. Um, I didn't realize that this was um, a first for you, Mike, because um, you guys are, are not that far apart, both based in New York City. So that's really exciting. It's also it's awesome to see when people connect that um, have so much in common. <laughs> and um, Sabode, I know you have joined us here on the stage. Did you have a question or comment you would like to share? And also, if others would like to come up, you're welcome to, to go ahead and request. But I'll send the mic over to Sabode.
3: Thanks, Emma. Hi, Barry. Uh, first of all, yeah, I had a few things to ask, but before that, since Mike was speaking about walking the streets, let me ask a very silly question, which is commonly discussed among street photographers, at least in India, which is, what's the best shoes to wear when you walk? Because we walk a lot. We walk sometimes 15 kilometers. So what's the best shoes, uh, Mike <laughs> and Barry, if you have any preference?
1: That is the best question I've ever been asked as a photographer. Um, I, I, I wear, um, I wear like Nike running shoes when I'm out on the street. I actually, I would say like 80% of my life, I wear Nike running shoes. Um, so <laughs> maybe there's a, maybe there's a potential sponsorship there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, I just, <laughs> I just feel like, uh, even if I'm not running, um, wearing a good pair of shoes that, uh, are meant to, uh, you know, to be comfortable um, for, uh, for for sort of standing in and walking in are, are are the best kind of shoes. I mean, having said that, I mean it rains a lot in, in New York City, especially around this time of year. So, um, I guess I'm often in like a pair of uh, water some waterproof Converse shoes that I bought a few years ago. But um, but yeah, I'm 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 going with uh, Nike running shoes.
2: I, I wear I wear these I wear these really ugly pair. Of black filas that are meant for um, nurses uh, that work and that are on their feet all day, but yesterday I do you steal that? Do you steal it from your wife? Um, To be honest, she bought them and they she bought the wrong size and they were too big for her. Uh, And she's like, "Hey, I'm gonna give you them," and I'm like, "Babe, I don't really like them. They're kind of ugly." And she's like, "Well, they're meant for long hours on your feet." I was like, "All right, so." You know, I started wearing them. They're so, super comfortable. But yesterday, um, it poured in New York City, and I, I actually just for the first time uh, wore these pair of like super lightweight Solomon um, Gore-Tex waterproof shoes. And I got a waterproof jacket, waterproof pants, and um, I, I bought a few of those things for this year because I'm like shooting a lot more in the rain this year. But I, yeah, I wear these 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 sneakers that are meant for for nursing. <laughs> Sorry, I just said your wife it's actually your girlfriend. Oh, it's okay, man. Might as well be. Awesome. So you know, when
3: it comes to uh, the collection, I just wanted to share some appreciation because me and Mike, you know, we do this AMA and uh, there's so many AMAs which MetaJungle has and we speak about descriptions and the importance of telling a story. When I was running through your site, you know, that was the most uh, beautiful, along with the pictures, of course. It was very like really good to read the story that you posted up there, and even the quote which you have, which says, "Photographers are collectors, constantly looking, seeing, organizing the world, fixing precise moments of time and space into memory." That's such a beautiful quote. So just wanted to share appreciation. And as far as the images go, my favorite would be the final one. I think it's called what's it called? Uh, it's like a baseball game where people are on. Top of each other. That particular image. That's really excellent.
1: I love it. Oh, the uh, the football, the football picture. Yeah, the football one. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah, the title rejected. of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's one of the one of the pictures that Alpha picked up. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, and, and thank you for your comments. I, I really I really appreciate that a lot.
3: Anytime, Barry. Uh, let me ask just one more question. Since we talked of shoes, even the camera straps matter for street photographers. Again, because you carried so long. So Mike and Barry, back to you. What's your favorite strap?
1: Oh, I, I, I may let Mike um take take that question, but because I'm believe it or not, I'm not a real um I'm not a real equipment hound. Um I, I do have a number of different cameras and um but I I've i I'm not really I've not really gotten down to like particular straps and soft Shutter buttons and and that sort of thing. I'm I'm kind of a beast with that stuff. I just sort of like wear out the leather strap on the cameras, you know, <laughs> until it you know until it uh, until it breaks and uh, and and that. I probably should find some more like anatomically, uh, you know, comfortable uh, comfortable gear. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> I just sort of I'm I'm not so. guess I'm, I'm, Yeah. I guess you're not an icon you,
3: cool. user. Yeah, because if you're well, a
1: Nikon user, and if you use the
3: strap, it will cut your neck.
1: <laughs> I actually am a Nikon user. You know, the the several of the pictures, including that um, football picture that you mentioned, um, was taken with an old Nikon F, which, you know, is a very heavy camera, and has this massive sports finder on, t- on the top, um, which, like, doubles the weight of the camera. It's kind of like having a huge screen, like, on the top of the, that replaces the the standard sort of small viewfinder. And so it is quite, it is quite a heavy, uh, quite a heavy camera. I've taken the strap off of it now. I just sort of hold it. Um, but yeah, that with a 500 millimeter Nikon mirror lens um, on it that I had that day was quite a beast. Um, so yeah, I just have a sore neck. That's all.
2: I, I could, uh, I could add what I use because I mean, it's important to me because Uh, I got some herniated discs in uh, my thoracic spine from a car accident uh, a while ago. And so um, I need uh, a strap that, you know, doesn't pull too much weight down on my neck. So I actually use um, a Peak Design slide strap that kind of goes like across the body rather than uh, around the neck. And so you can, the weight is kind of distributed to the side of the body. And I found that to be the best thing for me. So, but um, man, lately um, I've been, I've put down my much more powerful camera, the uh, Sony uh, A7R4, and I've been using the Pocket Ricoh GR3X. Uh, I've had it last night and um, I, I, I shot more photos on it than with my Sony. I, the Sony uh, just gave me more neck problems, <laughs> and I I was shooting uh, just a lot more with this little tiny point and shoot uh, camera in the rain, and it's not weather sealed either. And um, I probably almost broke it, um, but yeah, it you know uh, two of the photos. I mean, I posted four photos today, and two of them were with the, the the huge Sony, and the other two were with the Ricoh. And I I don't I don't think that you. Uh, really be able to tell the difference so <laughs> but um yeah i'm shooting with a much tinier camera lately and that strap just goes on my wrist but yeah the peak design wide is uh, is really really good for uh, if you don't want that neck pain
0: Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, and Subodh, I know you've, you, it looks like you dropped down to listener, So I'm not sure if we, if you got rugged a little bit or not, but those were great questions for sure. And it's um, some of those technical details there, um, but they can make all the difference. Um, so thank you for those questions and coming up and sharing. And, and if anyone else would like to request and come up, you're more than welcome to. Um, and I know we've got Alpha here on the stage. So Alpha, I'm glad you were able to join us. Um, do you have something you'd like to share?
4: Yeah. Hello, everybody. Hey, Barry. Um, I'm always excited to talk to you, and uh, you know I'm a, a big fan of uh, your work. Um, I hate going into a space where I get there late and then asking questions that somebody else has already asked. But I did want to bring up one thing um, about this drop that was really really cool to me because first, off, obviously, I love the art and I, I, I love your photography and um, big fan of that, but there was something about this particular drop that really, really impressed me and excited me. I think um, because there's such a discussion in the entire Web three space um, about how your, you know, traditional art world and the digital art world with Web three how they're going to interact ultimately, and what's the best way to do that and how do you include physicals as part of a um, drop? And you've done something pretty interesting because you've added um, the, a physical addition of what the digital piece that's being collected is, but you went one step way beyond that, which really is what excites me um, from just the innovation standpoint. And I was hoping you could speak a little bit about that and if you already have, um, at detail, um, it's okay. We can move, we can move on. But I think it's just something really important for, um, especially for other photographers and artists to hear how you, um, are doing this physical piece, but you have a COA on it that is in a NFT form that's going to follow that piece. I mean, to me, that's like, it's incredible. It's an incredible use of technology and it excites me because it's like really the future. It's the future of our world and how the blockchain is going to be used in all different types of industries. And it's just an incredible use of it in for art. So if you don't mind um, and want to explain that a little bit and how that process works.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Alpha. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you can make uh, make the, the room today. And, um, and you know, just I just want to say thank you for um for for, uh your appreciation of my work and and support um and uh and i it's it's a great question and i really um I I really wanted to bring the physical into the um into this collection um in a way as I was probably explaining a little bit before um you were on that you know when I took a lot of these pictures especially um, especially a couple of them that you have collected, um, you know, these pictures were, the film was developed in my dark room, which was, um, you know, in, in Los Angeles was in a bathroom, in my bathroom. Um, the, you know, I made the, the, the initial prints were all made in my own dark room. And, you know, at that time making a print was how you showed your work. And, so, I wanted to give the nFT collector an opportunity to view the work in sort of in the way that it was originally meant. Um, and there is such a difference between looking at sort of a backlit image it has a certain glow to it um, that is just sort of iridescent and 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 really kind of omnipresent and and loud in a way and And you know, on the other hand, like a print, it sits on the wall and based on like the lighting in your room, it will look a little bit different, but it, it doesn't, you know, it it only reflects the light. It doesn't sort of project the light from behind it. And it's a very different sort of quiet experience, I think, looking at a print. Um, And so I really wanted the NFT collector to be able to experience that. Um, And, you know, the, where, where I got the idea for the NFC chip was from G money's, um, clothing drop, uh, the NDCC collection, where there was an NFC chip embedded in the garment itself, and that allowed the person with the garment to collect an NFT that you know was um, part of the experience. So it's really, you know, it's really an interesting thing. I think to to um, to to bring the experience of collecting a COA um, as uh, as not just the physical you know piece of paper but also as a digital um, entity that sits in your wallet because i think that maybe um you know maybe at some point we're going to be bringing in people from the print world from sort of the traditional art world by having them buy a print and then having that digital coa come along with the print where they get sort of introduced to the nft world um just by buying a physical print, and they may, you know, um, they may not value that NFT in the same way that you know those of us who you know have gotten started in NFTs um, would. But I think that's a really interesting introduction for um, somebody from the physical world to come into into this space.
4: Yeah, that makes so much sense. It's such a practical use of um, blockchain technology. And it's an incredible introduction because uh, you know, if somebody gets a physical piece and they um, scan that uh, QR code or, or however it is on the piece and then they're directed to be able to, to download or I think in, in this case when they do that, that NFT is just immediately going to go to them if they have a, a wallet connected,
1: that's correct? Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, so when that's you just get incredible. That, yeah, that NFT that um that nft that you get um, the coa that you get when you scan the piece um you can't burn it you can't sell it you can't transfer it it can only be transferred by somebody else scanning it
4: so did you use a third party um company that provides that or did you have that built just a third party that's incredible
1: yeah 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 using a third party to, to to do this
4: yeah i mean i think um that is the future, and um, I love the idea of that being really an onboarding tool too. Um, to you know, another way of introducing um, traditional physical collectors uh, to this digital world that we live in. So, yeah, absolutely, huge because, kudos to you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for bringing that up. I really appreciate that. I mean, if you imagine people in the physical world, that you know, in the in the physical world, we're all in the physical world, but like traditional art collectors that um, don't know anything about the NFT space, but you know, provenance is such a big problem in, you know, in traditional art, cop- thing, copies of things being made and, um, and, and, and also it's such a positive thing too, right? Like, um, and you and I were talking about this um, with regard to, for example, like the piece that Justin Aversano first um, bought for me from 96 Studio, if you know the provenance of a particular piece, you know, who owned, who initially owned it, who's passed it down the, you know, down the line where that piece is gone and it's life as a piece of art, um, can be really valuable and can really affect the value of a piece of, a piece of art. And by having these tools to do this um, digitally through NFTs, um, is, it's really, you know, this, this could really be a game changer in so many ways in the tradi- traditional art world.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no one knows this, but um, we've been working on a a provenance system for quite a while. Because um, I feel like there's so many things that add uh, really add value to the work that are missed sometimes whenever something's minted, or they happen after a piece is minted. And there really has to be a system that kind of, you know, you can keep up to date with all that information. Um, so, you know, for me, a lot of times it's, it's kind of crazy. I'll buy a, um, will collect a piece of uh, art, a digital art, one of one NFT, and I'll have, you know, whatever the information that was provided when I collected it. And obviously I collected it for cause because I, I loved it and I felt that there was value there to collect it. After I get it, I'll receive a message from an artist Or somebody else saying, hey, did you know that that piece is, uh, you know, a physical of that piece is on exhibit in SF MoMA or it's there's a it's been exhibited around the world at these different exhibits or, hey, this piece won first place. And, you know, this really prestigious contest or, hey, this piece is in the cover of a book, like literally. And this has happened to me probably 50 plus times um, or more. And I'm like, no, I didn't know any of those things. And unfortunately I'll probably forget them because they're not written down, documented anywhere where I can find that easily. And there, we have to fix this. There has to be a way to track this information about these pieces because all that information, you know, it adds so much value to the underlying work. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, all of that is the future. And, um, So I was just really excited to see you embrace that technology and add it into what you were doing, you know, on on the physical side for this, for this drop. So yeah, very excited. And obviously love your work and a big fan of everything that you're doing in the space to really help onboard um, people into the space. Uh, I think both collectors and artists and you're you're adding so much to the overall experience here in web3 so thank you barry
1: well thank you thank you so much i, I really um i really can't even say enough to uh to, to thank you for your um for your support of uh, of, of my work and, and just what we've been doing and I, I really appreciate your friendship and uh and um and and uh and guidance as you know as, as i kind of stumble my way through this <laughs> this new uh, this new territory i really appreciate being able to to connect with you from time to time and um and you know get your feedback on stuff stuff that we're working on and yeah it's just been super invaluable so thank you
4: you know i was gonna um mention the uh <laughs> my first introduction to that chip was emma came back from um Miami, with a I don't know, I don't remember a five or six hundred dollar t shirt, but it had that chip in it, and I was like pretty much just in awe <laughs> and um, pretty excited uh, as she was like explaining to me how it worked and um, that whole process, and so it's like a you know I don't know if myself how many five hundred dollar t shirts I would buy, but the idea behind the technology and the, literally the, um, cultural significance of what that represents. And I I would almost say it was a great buy, even though it was a, you know, $500 t-shirt.
0: Yes, I, I will just for the record, that's the only $500 t-shirt I own, (laughs) but the process, um, for that whole, um, the, the, the cultural significance, yes. And also the experience and the, the process, um, you know, innovation in the space is something I get really excited about. And I love, you know, what G-Money is bringing on the fashion side um, and that opportunity and things that are being created on that side. And because I do think he's an innovator in the space and Barry, I love that you've taken that technology and, and help adapt it. Because um, I think some of the ways in which, you know, this technology is going to make a lasting impact is it's it's, it's just like you said, it's, it's fixing some of these problems that have been there for so long. Um, you know, and if we can use the technology to do that, it's, it's really, really exciting. And, and something I've appreciated about your journey all the way through, you know, getting to know your work in the beginning with, um, 365 NYC, you know, and the way that you did that in a blind drop and had different tiers included with one of ones. And, um, I'm sorry, with, um, some of the different aspects of the work, um, that were more unique and playing with that and then also, you know, learning more about the broader side of your work and the other um, projects that you had done in the space, you know, there's always that element of innovation included in your work where you're learning and seeing what's happening in the space and and being able to um, utilize that in in the work and the way that you release and the things that you're doing. That the work, of course, is beautiful and the stories are so impactful, but also to see that side of appreciation for what's being developed here um, is something I, I think is really really well done um, and really cool, so I do appreciate that very much.
1: Well, thank you. I just you know I just wanted to reiterate um, that uh, that you know these these conversations are so valuable, and um, maybe just as a, as a short reset um, that you know this isn't these conversations and the point of putting this work out isn't just about finding collectors and um, and being transactional, but um, the opportunity that the blockchain is giving us to um, to put work out and to talk about it and to learn from it and to teach from it and, you know, from the, to discuss it and, you know, and, and in this way it involves everybody. It, it doesn't just, you know, this isn't just put out so that somebody who can afford one ETH um, can buy it. It's really, there's, you know, I think it's important that we, you know, that we all um, sort of embrace the, you know, the, the, the way the the ways that we can use this um, NFT technology to um, to further everybody's um, career and 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 push everybody along the path to you know learning more about photography and and, and growing. So yeah, I just wanted to pop that in there once once again before uh, before we get um, any farther down down sure. this path. So thank you.
0: And definitely have a huge appreciation for that. Um, and and I do for those that are listening that this might be your first time of interacting with Barry um, or or learning you know about him. I do encourage you to follow him and also join his Discord. It's a great um, kind of a great landing pad for those that are um, you know for photographers in general of all different experiences, but also just people that want to learn about the about photography um, and and the space in general. So um, really, I, I love I appreciate that um, aspect of wanting people to be able to be on the journey together and learning and sharing experiences because it is how we improve and do better um, and it's a great space for that (laughs) and um, with that I know we have Swati has joined us on stage so hi Swati how are you today? Hi Emma
5: how are you thank you so much for letting me come up how are you doing today? doing good doing good Thank this you. this is such an awesome space and so thankful to you for you know organizing this um i'm a huge fan of barry's work hi barry i finally get to speak to you today i love your work i actually uh, first got to know uh, about you from emma when she visited you in new york she was so excited and you know she shared the work and she spoke about you know the awesome time that she had. And then, you know, I looked at your work and it's just so, so amazing. And um, I, hi, Alpha. Alpha actually asked the question that I was going to ask you because, um, you know, I'm huge on prints. I'm uh, Whatever I photograph and edit, I would print it for myself just to, you know, look at it. And I don't have so much wall space, but I would print it anyway because I absolutely love to, you know, see a physical print So when you said that, you know, and and usually when I sell my NFTs, if my collectors um, want a print, I actually love to, you know, make a big print for them. So when you spoke about the fact that, you know, you're adding the code to the physical print, I think that's just such a brilliant idea. And so Alpha asked you already about it. So I'm not going to ask that question. The other question that I had is, you know, what is the size of print you usually offer to your uh, clients because you know because I usually love to make big prints like 30 by 40 or uh, you know but sometimes people don't have that much space I mean unless it's for a museum or you know if somebody has a big place to you know hang that on the wall you know sometimes such a huge print you know people don't want it so what do you think uh, like what what do you offer if you want to share that with us and what do you think is a good size <laughs> to offer?
1: Well, that's a that's a great question, um, and you 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 kind of um, pushed me to uh, talk about something that we haven't really <laughs> have really specified in the um, uh, in the project documents about this. Um, but I think that the um, the prints are going to be eleven by fourteen, which for me is it, this is like a traditional um, photographic print size. Um, Eight by ten feels a little bit A little bit small um and 11 by 14 is um feels manageable um it doesn't you know it's it's not a it's not a huge size print i mean um so i I don't think it will take i don't think it takes too much uh physical wall you know commitment of your physical space to um to put 11 by 14 up or even just to keep it in the box if you know you need to store it but um yeah it's going to be 10 by 12 11 by 14 um, somewhere in there we're just doing the final um, sort of lockdown with the um, with the printer here in New York so yeah and um, and just to uh, just to say a little bit more about this um, the prints um, that um, that the NFT buyers will claim uh, from this collection um, will be proper photo prints so they'll be uh, gelatin silver prints not um, inkjet prints or um, which are fine. I mean, those are, you know, have proven to be, you know, um, pretty stable um, on the higher end. So there's certainly nothing wrong with those. But, um, but I think in the, in the spirit of sort of reviving, um, you know, a retrospective collection of work that, you know, for me initially was meant to be printed, um, I wanted them to be, you know, real photographic prints.
5: That's so wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. And before I drop down to listener, I just also wanted to say that, you know, this bring it home, you have this uh, photograph of the van with that that message. And it's so funny, I was (laughs) reading all the messages. And everything is about, you know, drugs and alcohol, what we shouldn't do. And then the the last one is so funny, because it says, if you are married to a divorcee, you are in adultery. I don't know why person wrote that when I thought that that was very funny and uh, yeah. uh, amazing amazing uh, uh, images the,
1: thank you the the best one the, the best one that's a great part of it the best one for me is um, is is number one um, it says, drugs and alcohol destroy the brain, and the word destroy is misspelled. So, <laughs> yes, true. You know, yes, that's, whoever wrote that's this, true. Whoever wrote this is a victim of, their, uh, of, uh, <laughs> of this preaching that they're doing. But um, yeah, that was, and you know, that picture actually was a complete accident. I was um, doing a photo shoot um, in Los Angeles, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this silver van come by with this writing on it, and I just... Literally turned around, took two shots based on what the exposure was already on my camera. Like I didn't have a chance to change the focus or change the exposure or do anything. I just like instinctively snapped a couple of pictures, hoping that I would get something. And the exposure was wildly off. And it was just completely um, over, thankfully overexposed by three or four stops. And so when I finally was able to make a print of this, it just had a very like, Bizarre quality to it. It had a really kind of weird, otherworldly quality to it because it's sort of unclear, like if this is shot in the daytime or nighttime. And the wheels, and the black wheels of the car, are very bright. Um, so yeah, that, that picture had a really eerie sort of quality to it. But um, you know, again, that was just one of those times where I was open to something happening, and I wasn't so focused on what I was doing you know, to ignore everything else that was happening in the world. So, yeah, it was kind of a, an instinctive uh, lucky moment. Thank you so much. Hey,
4: sweaty, um, that van, the same thing happened to me when I was reading all the stuff on that van and then that last sentence caught me completely by surprise. I actually think I laughed out loud because it was <laughs> just so, it's so crazy. And um, yeah, it was great. But, you know, when I saw that, I instantly, this is really crazy. And, um, so I, I actually was meaning to tell you this, Barry, uh, I saw that photo and I felt like, um, it has a Jim Goldberg vibe to it Mm. so much. And I like, I don't know. It's just really interesting. I love that photo actually. Um, I love the whole feel of it. And, um, yeah, it just has like, it has a really strong Jim Goldberg vibe to me. It's like something that I could see definitely. And it's just really cool that you had captured that. And the way that you did it was just kind of magical. So <laughs> thank cool. you.
1: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm always happy to be, uh, to be in the same sentence as uh, somebody like Jim Goldberg for whatever reason. So I appreciate that.
5: Emma, thanks. Thanks once again for, you know, always bringing us up and letting us ask questions. Barry, thank you so much for your time. This has been an awesome uh, space. Uh, uh, so thank you for your time. And, and I will be in New York in April. So in case you're available and free, I would love to come by and say hi to you because I'm such a big fan of yours. So and, and thank you once again.
1: Um, you, you're always um, you're, you're always welcome. I, I would really appreciate that. And um, and yeah, can, my DMs are open.
5: Thank you so much. Thank
0: you, Swati. Really appreciate you coming up and asking that question for sure. Um, and I believe I know Jaden's behind the Meta Jungle logo. And I believe Jaden, did you have a question that you had for Barry?
6: I sure do. Can you hear me? I'm using the headphones you gave me, so I'm not sure. <laughs> Yes. I can hear you.
0: Oh, perfect. Okay.
6: Um, yeah, Barry, I know that you talked about um, whenever I first looked at your website um, a while ago about this drop, um, the Genesis drop was available, and I see book two is available. And I know that you're planning on 40 total. So I was just curious if uh, what the game plan was for part three and four.
1: Yes. Sure. Um, yeah, great question. Thanks for asking that. Um, um, as, as I mentioned earlier, the initial um, idea was to put out the first 10, um, but as the sort of idea of the project morphed um, into not selling the entire collection together as one unit, but um, but as individual pieces, um, I thought it was more, I thought it was important to expand the collection a little bit more to tell a bit more of the story. Um, and um, so I've included um, the Genesis project. Uh, Ten and um, and also um, and also book two. So the plan is um, uh, is that in um, March, um, book three, probably book three and four will um, uh, will be uh, will be introduced. Um, but if the pieces should sell out more quickly than um, than expected, um, then book three and four um, may be pushed. Uh, forward a little bit, so we'll, we'll just have to see. I, I had initially intended on um, sort of releasing this over the course of the year, um, but you know, like all good plans, the 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 battle battle plan always changes when the first troops hit the ground. So um, you know, I think it's it's probably subject to change, and um, I mean, hopefully sooner um, than later. But uh, but the plan right now is um, in March to um, release book uh, books Fiend for.
6: Well, very, very cool. Um, Yeah, I love this whole collection. And whenever I was looking at book two today, I was like, man, these are just, I love the story and just like how, I love the curation of this whole thing, so I'm really excited to see um, books three and four, but um, I also just really want to say, um, I love all of them, but whenever I was looking today, I'm obsessed with the Calvin Klein's house photo. I, I just, everything <laughs> about that, it just, I love it so much, but very excited to see what's to come. I love this collection. It, 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 you it did you incredible.
1: So well, thank you so much. I think that's one of those pictures that, um, that maybe the less you know about that picture the more interesting it is because you know the viewer can really make up their own narrative around (laughs) what was going on in that photo um yeah
6: (laughs) very true very true i think that's one of the reasons i love it so much is because whenever i'm looking at it i'm like I don't really know what's happening right now. So just trying to figure out all the little different pieces of it. Um, it's one that I've honestly been looking at for like 15 minutes now and still just trying to come up with something, but I really love it.
1: Oh, awesome. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to um, post a snapshot from um, from that night um, it, at some point um, during the day today. There's a, a, someone took a picture of me with um, president, uh, president Bush's net uh, niece and, um, at that at that party so um that will be kind of fun to post
0: that's fantastic that is so cool (laughs) yeah getting to hear the backstories it is always really really interesting and again this is one of those moments that feels like it could be staged you know um so it's really cool to you know to be there in that moment And and a little bit of an extended question from Jaden's: um, Will book three and four have a set time period, or a curation, or kind of a, um, something that you have in mind to set those kind of uniquely apart?
1: I I, I don't. I, it's a great question. I, I I think that they are just going to be a continuation of this theme um, of um, of including you know a, a, a sort of a, a selection of pictures from. You know the '80s through the '90s, the aughts, and and the early 2000s, all the way to present. So, you know, if you look at if you look at book two, for example, um, you have rejected, which is the oldest of the pictures in that collection. That's the earliest um, picture in that collection. I think was uh, I want to say eighty, maybe eighty. 80 oh, gosh, it could be eighty or 86 but there's I know a couple of the players in there so we could pin that pin that down but that was the the mid to late 80s all the way through uh Avenue New York City um, which was shot only a few months ago so a couple of months ago so that is um, so there's a real broad uh, um, selection of pictures there and I think books three and four will be the same each one will have uh, a selection of images from the 80s through present.
0: Very good, very very cool and I, said, I w- oh, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just gonna say having said that now you know I was talking to somebody yesterday about this um, that some of these pictures were shot in the 80s so um, so if I do the math properly, maybe it's more than 30 years.
0: It's crazy that that is that is the <laughs> truth, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but I won't
1: say too much about that. We'll just let that pass.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes, being an '80s baby, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to put that into context for reality. <laughs> Oh, well, and I'd like to also extend if anyone else has questions for Barry, um, of of course, about the collection or just in general with photography, you're welcome to come up and join us. And um, I'm also looking forward to um, the space with Obscura later on this afternoon. I believe you're co-hosting with Wim for the Obscura Happy Hour.
1: I am. I am. This is a spaces day for me today.
0: Well, and I'm looking forward to joining you um, in that conversation too. And I believe the theme today is for their collectors' corner, so to be talking about photography and collecting art, and and wherever the conversation goes from there.
1: Yeah, that that's going to be a great a great talk. I don't expect it to be centered around my work at all. But um, but as we were talking about earlier, you know, I have my own stories about the pictures, and um, and you know, always happy to share those. But it's all. You know, being that photography has that unique quality to allow the viewer to sort of create their own narratives around what the picture is about. Um, I'm always interested to hear what collectors have to say about the work. So, um, So hopefully I'll get to get some feedback there, too.
0: So true. So true. And it is just a great opportunity to have, you know, have, have conversations and share ideals. And yeah, it's, um, I enjoy that side very, very much. So, um, and the obscure happy hour times are usually a really, really great time for people to come together and interesting folks coming into the conversation.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely looking forward to this, but this has been just a wonderful space too. And, um, and, you know, it's just been so great to, be able to tell some of the stories behind the work and, um, you know, to help it sort of come alive, you know, we, we put this work out there and, you know, it generally exists in you know, a one inch by one inch format or something like that on somebody's computer as they, you know, as, you know, people sort of look through the thumbnails and, you know, sometimes enlarge them, sometimes not, but, you know, as photographers we're used to seeing them much bigger. We're used to, you know, having conversations around them and, and, um, and being able to share so much more. So, you know, I, I, just really appreciate the opportunity to, um, have conversations around it and actually tell the stories behind, um, some of these pictures, because, you know, the reason that they are in this retrospective is, um, um, is that they have resonated with me over, you know, many of them over a very long period of time. They have, you know, literally stayed top of the pile. They have, you know, always come up and, um, historical conversations about my work, and you know, um, talks with my students, and in you know, um, sort of just my own appreciation and sort of critique of my work over the years. You know, these are the ones that have just stood the test of time. At least the older ones, and the newer ones that um, have just resonated in a way that makes me feel like in twenty years they may be the ones who, you know, have stuck around and um, and continue.
0: Well, and we appreciate you coming and sharing those, and and also that viewpoint. Um, you know, and uh, and even expanding it, you've done a we've been intentional on saying, you know, let's this keeping the conversation about the art and about you know kind of that conversation, which I appreciate very much because I think sometimes we do get focused on you know some of the other aspects, um, but it is really important to have the time to talk about. To, talk, to share those ideas about, about the work, but also the background behind it and, you know, being able to kind of review that because that says, you know, spurs us along cre- creatively and can be an inspiration in ways in which it's not always um, even intended initially, um, but so many advantages of making those connections and bringing the art to life. And I think you're very, very, um, you're, you're very good at that, Barry. And um, I know I've always enjoyed the opportunity to get to visit with you about work and have those in depth conversations and especially here in the space too, with different aspects that are that might be happening um, just like with the, the mechanic, with the um, COA, you know, that, you know, that's been used in one aspect, but, you know, seeing that being done and thinking how can we use that in this aspect to kind of add another element to the process. Um, so, you know, those, those are really, really cool aspects. And I appreciate your time today of coming and sharing those and also being that, per, you know, being someone in the community that's, um, you know, willing to keep those conversations open and, and really supporting that as well. Thank you, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and is there anything else with the collection or that you were wanting to maybe share today that we haven't touched on? It has been a wonderful conversation, but just curious if there's anything in addition that you would like to share
1: gosh i think I think maybe just um maybe just to bring it back to kind of the 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 initial um, uh, thoughts that we were um, sharing in the very beginning, which is you know, this idea that like the NFT space is so full of innovation and so full of forward looking, um, conversation and forward looking thoughts that, you know, initially, like, as I started thinking about doing this retrospective, it, you know, it really felt, um, as if I was, I mean, it literally is looking back and, um, and I just had to reconcile kind of, um, you know, what this process of looking back was all about and, 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 um, and the way that I really, what really landed um, with me is something important is that, you know, for me, um, in many ways, looking back is a really important tool to help look forward. And, you know, knowing where we have been helps us to kind of plot our plot out a chart, uh, you know, to where we're going. And so I think there's a lot of value there. And, um, and I just, you know, really appreciate the opportunity that this NFT space, the blockchain and, you know, all of this. Um, these new developments have uh, created this opportunity for us to be able to bring old work to life, to bring new um, new people into the conversation, and to um, you know hopefully put this work out there in a way that's not just there for sale, but also it's there for people to look at, to talk about, and and you know hopefully the powers that be and the, you know the the devs that are sitting in their dark rooms writing code you know are creating something that you know makes this truly an archive that will be around forever and you know will certainly outlast us and um, that's pretty exciting so and you know it's just very much an exciting moment for me as a photographer and as a human and you know contributor to this to this um to this art form to you know be able to participate in it
0: Gosh, so true. So true. And so well said. I appreciate that very much. Um, And yeah, I think it is important to um, kind of review where we've been to know where we want to go. Um, And we're very appreciative that you're sharing that journey with us, um, all for us to be able to appreciate, but also to be able to learn from as well. And so I really appreciate the time today. And, and if there's not anyone else that would, has any questions, we may go ahead and wrap up. Um, and you invite everybody to join us again in about four hours um, in the Obscura space. Um, and if you'd like to can continue on the conversation, I'm definitely looking forward um, to that next conversation. Um, and so but we may go ahead and Barry I really appreciate your time today I was looking forward to this opportunity to delve in a little bit deeper and always enjoyed a chance to hear you um, talk about you know the space and photography and encourage those that again that may not have been connected with you previously to please go ahead and do so and also learn about some of the other projects with 96 Studio um, because really love all that you're doing here in the space
1: well, th- thank you so much, and thank you again for the um, for the opportunity to have this platform to to reach a, a wider audience and to talk to a lot of people that you know I get to text with and you know and and um, and, and and chat with on online and to actually you know be able to to talk with um, uh, about all of this stuff and and thank you for everything that you guys are doing at Meta Jungle for um, promoting the space and photography and you know I think it's just super important what you guys are doing. And I really appreciate it. And, you know, look forward to, to, you know, finding ways that we can work together more in the future.
0: Well, thank you for those kind words. And yes, we are very excited. Anytime you'd like to come back and share, we're more than happy to facilitate that and would look forward to it. And um, we, one of the things we love to do is connect um, different folks within the space that are striving to build a great foundation for everybody. And um, with 96 Studios and yourself, that's definitely, um, we feel very aligned in that message and, and what we're working towards. And so always look forward to that. So yeah, anytime, we are more than happy to. And would love to say thank you to all of those that have joined us today um, and came up and spoke, but also um, we're here to listen for the conversation and hopefully you found this very informative and inspiring. I know that I did. Um, And so with that, we'll probably go ahead and wrap up for today. Um, And of course, the space has been recorded, so if anyone missed any of the conversation, you're welcome to listen to that recording. But um, again, Barry, thank you so much for your time and um, definitely want to invite everybody to join us again in about four hours and we'll pick up from there but thank you so much for joining us guys Um, don't forget to get out there and create but also continue connecting with one another and have a wonderful afternoon and we'll talk with everyone soon thank you guys so much and have a great afternoon